You're listening to Buttercuts. It's Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. On today's episode, well, we talk about Phil Mickelson at the age of 50 making history at the PGA Championship. And that'll pretty much sum it up. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of the Buttercuts Podcast. Weston, what's going on? How was your weekend? <laughs> weekend was fantastic. I played some golf. It was cool. Oh, it was. I did not play golf. Um, uh, that was more. Well, it was all doctor's orders, <laughs> and 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 nothing more. Um, putting. But that's about all I can do f- for roughly another week yeah, or so. That's not too bad. Sometimes a little break's nice. It's it's not too bad. I've heard horror stories about uh, hernia surgeries. So I'm totally okay with how I'm feeling right now. Um, like I said, I'm to a point where I would... I've just got to be careful that I, I feel good enough that I don't want to push it. <laughs> so well, I'll, I'll take the advice of the doctor and have a successful recovery. Cause that's any surgery is no, no joke. So, yeah. So it was, no, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. Like I said, um, I actually coached my girls team the day after. No, I didn't actually take the cart. I was more worried about it being bumpy and moving nope. things around things around than than so I just I just walked a little bit. Took some breaks, took it easy a little bit, but walked out to certain holes and then walked back to the clubhouse for a little bit and then walk out to some holes and back to the clubhouse a little bit. So took it fairly easy and then took uh, the the next day just off to hang out and really recover so nice well I, I got to play a new course for me check one off the list in the state of utah uh copper rock so saw that that was, that was fun a little jealous of that because i haven't been able to play that one yet so that's one that you have off your list i'll be but now in- i don't have off my list <laughs> i'll be incredibly critical here um best 16 holes of golf in st george one through 16 Really, I, yeah. like I said, I've never played it, so I have nothing. But I've always heard it's it's good, not great. I've heard there's a couple of holes that are just not not very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Some that, of the greens are not very good. So, seventeen and eighteen, actually, to me, were just kind of a letdown. Um, I don't know if they just designed the course and they got seventeen and eighteen and they kind of just shoved it in there, um, but they really just ran out of room. I. I like to finish on a good hole and Mm -hmm. if I can, if I have a choice, I'd love it to be a par five. I don't know why, but that's just how I I roll. I love a par five finish. See, it's more of a long, long par four ish, a tough par four, a tough par four. Well, then that's good too. Like if you're down to a competition, there's a pretty cool element to that. A tough par four is you made a great par and you won. Right. Um, or a, a, a nice par five and you made a great birdie and you won but 
when you're when you come down the stretch on 18 and it's a 380 yard par four at 2500 feet ele- elevation um yeah it's like oh let me hit this five iron and then a, a pitching wedge in <laughs> so that's kind of how i felt about it and then 17 was just a highly elevated tee down to a green probably like a 60 foot drop or something and it was only like 140 yards so it played like a buck 30 um, yeah it's i mean you got to work with what you got but it seemed like they could have planned that a, t- a touch better but every other hole loved it really good yeah and sometimes i think that they they feel that elevated tee boxes gives it some kind of wow factor i think sometimes with some of the just designers but I don't know. Well, let's get into a quick recap of what else went on in golf. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They had the Advent Help Championship for the Corn Ferry Tour. Cameron Young um, looks like it's the, his first year out there. Got his first win, and he's just outside. So with it being the rollover season, he gets one win, and he's just outside the 25. So um, that and then former Ute, Kyler Dunkel, Monday qualified and ended up uh, makes the cut and ends up tied for 30th Wow! Um, to give it some local local ties and uh, Kyler's a pretty solid player I played with him a, a few times and uh, two times that I played with him um, beat him twice so <laughs> whoa yeah that's my claim to glory on that um, but no really good good solid player uh, I think he's living down in St. George or Vegas right now to to get some things. I think he's got some Canadian tour status, but nice. playing in a couple of uh, Monday qualifiers to try to get some Corn Ferry stuff going. And the other the other tournament that was going on this this weekend, and I'm sure there was a couple of others, but um, no, obviously with the, being a major, there's no European tour. Uh, but the LPGA um, had their Pierce Silk Championship uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia, and Weiling Hu, there's Hu, um, from Chinese Taipei, gets her first win, beating out uh, Moria, Marie, Moria, Utanagard, um, and Jessica Corda. Shoot 68 in the final round. Uh, looks like she has an eagle and a, a birdie coming home on 15 and 16 to to get her first win. And uh, listen to a little bit of her press conference, and uh, it's pretty cool. She's been on that out there for three years, and you know she said three years is, is a pretty long time to wait. So yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. But you know what we're here to really talk about is the PJ championship contested at Kiwa Island in South Carolina yeah. on the ocean course. Um, like what are your initial thoughts coming off of it? You know, having a day to let it soak in. Yeah. Um, Besides ooh. the obvious. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. say best PGA championship I've ever watched hands down. Like, I mean, it was yeah. exciting, had marquee players in the mix. There was, some, you know, tension that was built throughout the whole tournament. It wasn't like, oh, okay, let's see what happens tomorrow and see if it mixes up. Like, 
it was just steady and building to just an awesome climatic ending. And then um, I thought the course was fantastic. Condition yeah, was fantastic. It was tough, but it wasn't unreasonable. Yeah. And um, the players that had a game that was slightly off, it just destroyed them. And the guys that were on, they, they made it happen. Well, and um, I think it's going to be the best major this year. And I haven't even seen two of them. Bold, bold <laughs> statement. Bold statement. Um, I I agree. And the thing that really, because it never, you never like you'd see somebody push out like Phil did on on Saturday, and then just a couple stumbles, and all of a sudden, right back to the field, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never felt like even when he was coming down, and he's up by four or five at one point. I think five at one point. Um, and you're like, there's a couple holes and he makes the one loose swing on 13 and you're like, Whoa. Right. So it just yeah. gets, gets there. Right. And you look at it and Brooks is playing with him and Brooks goes three over on par fives on the final day, which is well, nuts. Unheard. It's unheard right. of. Um, just completely nuts, but he got it in wrong spots mm-hmm. and just got punished. And that's what you saw kind of all day. I mean, you look at, and I don't want to kind of harp on it because he's getting like plastered for Cameron Tringali. Um, And let me pull it up exactly what he does because I don't want to get it wrong and do a disservice to to what he did. I guess you could say, what was it? His back nine looked like a phone number. Does that sound about right? (laughs) It was. so, So round one, he's... He's four under through 11 holes and bogeys a couple coming down the stretch. So ends up two under on the day. Yeah. Um, Good round. Yeah. But so he gets, so he's, so he's two under, he's five under through 13 holes, mm-hmm. five under through 13 holes. Ends up eight over. Wow. Wow. Right. Yeah, five under. Because if he was two under on the, yeah, two under on the first day, and he's three under through eleven, three under through thirteen. Yeah, he's five under. Whoa. Yeah, that's a whoa moment. <laughs> um, Big whoa. But on fourteen, makes a six on a par three. Par's fifteen, makes a ten on the par five sixteenth, which. Like I'm, I look at that hole and I'm like, and I don't know what, I mean, what exactly he did, but, um, yeah, see. But, I don't, yeah, I, didn't, I don't even know. Oh, hits it in the water left. Yep. Water. And then. Then he drops. Well, then he hits it from the tee cause he didn't clear anything. So then he hits it over there and then dust one and then five in the middle i still don't know how you make 10 he takes him five shots to get he took six to get to the green yeah but i mean you're he's shot five well i think what happened i I didn't see the 10 but it looks like like he had to hit two and then he he couldn't go forward, so he hit it like sideways, and then he hit it through the fairway. Yeah. Then 
he punched it out about 20 yards into the fairway and then smoked a shot up there for his fourth shot. And then his fifth shot into the green is probably around a hundred yards. And I think yeah. he just hit it in the wrong spot on the green and, and added another five strokes, getting in the hole. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. I don't know what it's doing. Cause it's showing like all of a sudden when you're going through the shot chart, it's showing like shot six, 83 feet inches to the right. It, to the right intermediate and then it says 341 yards to the hole so i yeah. don't know what went on <laughs> right in that stretch <laughs> but whatever it was it wasn't good um yeah so then he goes then he follows up a 10 double par <laughs> with a seven on another par three uh yeah so he goes quintuple bogey quadruple, quadruple bogey, bogey. <laughs> and then bogey <laughs> so it goes from like in a really good spot with oh, yeah. five holes to six holes to play to missing the cut by three shots yeah just an absolute implosion on the last three holes to go 10 over in three holes so. yeah it's just nuts so i feel yeah. <laughs> feel for him but man yeah he was that was a twitter there, oh, yeah. social media <laughs> that was just that was low-hanging wow. fruit for Wowzer. all Wowzer. exactly and i mean this just kind of goes to show like i mean obviously fantastic player right the way right. he played for the first um you know 33 holes but now it just goes to show how treacherous this golf course was to where it just takes one bad swing. And if you don't figure things out the next swing, like you're toast. And, and there was a couple of times where we saw players, you know, figure it out. And I think the most iconic one was Phil, you know, on that last day or no round three where he put one in the water, but he, he took it smart and he played the hole the way he should. And yeah, he got a double, but he took his medicine and, and then executed and so that that was the difference there well and i mean like you said you saw it with with brooks mm-hmm. he goes through a stretch and his ways you oh man um because he makes the double on after he birdies one and, and phil bogey so you're like oh here it comes right yeah. it makes a double kind of gets it back that one just kind of I think he just got in a bad spot off the tee and then hits a well he really hits a bad third shot which really costs him right yeah but he goes through the stretch from after he birdies six the stretch from seven through 13 yeah you're just like and i just think i heard as he hits after he hits his tee ball on 10 or 11 and i don't know whether i missed or this he's like i just want the hell out of here out of coming off the tee and like he just was like i just don't know you could just see the frustration in his eyes it's like it wasn't hit bad but it was just bad enough to get in all the wrong spots yeah Um, that's tough because obviously i mean shooting 74 it it was on the higher side of what was done that day on average but um i mean to play as bad as he as he did to shoot that number is actually pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had some guys 
early on. I mean, Abram Answer's 65 and Justin yeah. Rose is 67 is is unreal, right? You had a couple of guys early go there, but I mean, you look at Streelman, you know, 75 and some other guys who kind of fell down that were in that those last couple of groups, right? Nobody yeah. really, obviously, you got the last two groups where because uh, Ustazen was playing with Streelman, right? Mm-hmm. So Ustazen shoots 73, Brooks shoots 74, Phil shoots 73. Um, and then you got a couple of guys from North Ireland, yeah. including Ryder Cup, European Ryder Cup captain, Podrick Harrington, Ty Forth. Who, How about that? Yeah, who saw that one coming? But I mean, yeah. you both. How's that for the Ryder Cup captains? Both Ryder oh. Cup captains <laughs> make, make the cut. Well, kind of just well to, to your point. As the day went on, it did get tougher. Um, maybe the greens weren't rolling as true because the whole field already played on them, and and furthermore, the wind probably started picking up at least from what I saw. So yeah, yeah, the day just got tougher. Some of those late bloomers that got to tee off early. They were able to come up and and take advantage of that. I mean, good for them, right? Yeah. But um, like Abraham Answer, he went up fifty spots to a yeah. tied for eighth, top ten. Like, wow. Um, so there's some big movers on that final day. But you're you're right. The last couple of groups, like they got it the worst. And for given what they shot, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was good. Like I said, the wind came up a little bit. You got the situation where right you're looking at and you're like i can't make a <laughs> can't make a mistake no. or it might cost me two i mean but everybody did it right yeah. louie i mean lou was spraying the ball a little bit especially off the tee losing it right um but his double on 12 or 13 after just making a birdie on 12 you're just like what just happened because he's in a perfect spot like in a really good spot yeah <laughs> coming into 13 and just loses it well and he, and he played the safe side it just it got a little hairy in there that's all because yeah. that's that's the water phil hit it into on the day before so you you want to if your miss is left then yeah that's that's where you miss it so yeah but then it just feel just it feel did the same thing on 13 yep. um but ended up hitting a great i mean obviously gets a little bit of a break where his rolls in and he can just drop it on the green and two putts yeah uh, for a bogey but well here's here's an interesting thing that i saw in the top 10 and um i mean listen to this louis ustazen padre harrington shane lowry paul casey justin rose these are all euro players right these are guys that are really used to playing on link style windy courses and they really they really played great. Even John Rahm obviously didn't play as well as he probably would have liked to, but he has that experience in those wind type situations where they can work the ball. Obviously Phil, a master of working the ball in the wind, um, clearly a display of that, but really impressive to see that. And then Brooks, uh, and if you can remember, he actually played on the Euro tour for a little bit. To yeah. get his game to the right place and so the experience of Lynx golf i think really shown strong here with the <laughs> golfers so it's pretty cool to see how much that experience came into play especially in this championship yeah. 
still moves the ball, but he's he's t- typically a higher ball hitter. So, right, which is why yeah. it was such a surprise for him to get the the Open Championship win when he did. He did um, something different from his course strategy. He had two types of swings. There's there's the fill swing, and then there's a pelt swing. I don't know if you heard that come up in the commentary between him and his caddy. Well, the pelts was just the machine that he was he was like pelt yardage which i don't know what exactly that that was was, they said it was the machine that he was using to to get his yardage but it um, had to have been a i at least from the interviews that i've heard like phil had been searching for distance and he obviously had it this tournament because he um he was hitting nasty bombs but uh Uh, I believe not not really till the last, I mean, he hit some good shots, obviously, but until the last three holes, he didn't really let anything really go. It was very, very controlled. It was, it was very controlled. At least on 18, I think his drive was 348 yards. He was like 366 on uh, 16 or 17 or 16. Um, But I think it was starting on 15, the three, the driver swing on 15, 16 and 18. Yeah. Whereas like, I think at that point there was some nerves in there and the way he got rid of it, he's like, okay, I'm just going to go flat yeah. out because you saw it on, I think you saw it on, I was talking to a guy. I think you saw it on 13 when he swings that softer swing and yeah. gets tentative. That's that that right miss and hits it in the yeah hits it in the water and i think he's like oh that's not happening <laughs> no and, and you're right he started smoking them three 337 on 15 366 on 16 and then yeah. 348 on 18 um but I, I from what i hear the pelt swing is actually him just having a more controlled swing and a more controlled yeah. yardage and it actually takes spin off i think it's like a three-quarter swing to be honest yeah, yeah, it's just it's just smoother. It was just yep. it's just much smoother. And you watched it all day, which was or all tournament, like I said, except for those last four holes or last yeah. three drives. It was pretty even 17, because he absolutely nukes that and <laughs> I mean it's a really good shot to get it down to where he did yeah. on on 17. But I mean you watched it all week where he was just super controlled and in in control. Yeah. So yeah, his iron play was phenomenal. I mean, just hunting pins all week long. So, yeah, that, that was amazing. Amazing to watch. I tell you what, besides a couple of them, he putted the best. Uh, I would, I mean, and you say this, but I would, besides the couple of, of holes, I would say Brooks hit the ball better than Mickelson did all week <laughs> with the amount of putts that Brooks missed, they mm-hmm. said on Saturday he missed seven putts inside 10 feet. <laughs> and he missed at least five mm-hmm. inside 10 feet. May, you know, even closer on the final day. And that's just, I mean, that's, I mean, he only really has to make two of those where he gets into a tie. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think what's interesting about his stroke, I don't know if you've ever seen it up close, but he has a, a pretty aggressive loop in it to where he lines it up off the toe yeah. and then it loops back into hit center. And I saw a couple times where it mattered that that stroke broke down. And, oh, yeah, and it's just that push. 
Yeah, it just pushed. And he didn't strike at center on a couple where he really needed it. And I mean, yeah, his his broken stroke is 20 times better than my best one. But when he needed it to be pure, it, it wasn't there. So and it's the same thing with Ustazen. You saw it on Saturday and it flared up. And I mean, it's kind of forgotten because he putted. He hit some really good putts coming down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gets himself into trouble because he misses <laughs> putts on some big ones on on Saturday and on Sunday that just don't let him really push Mickelson where he did. But yeah, but yeah, Phil he putted fantastic. He led the field in birdies with twenty two. And that's definitely what you had to have out there with how, how much danger was floating around. Yeah. And uh, yeah, led the field in strokes gained tee to green as well. So just great off the tee and great into the greens. Yeah, it was just pretty there. And then, you know, Phil getting it done, age 50, oh, first, first 50 year old to, to, uh, Obviously, the oldest player to ever win a major. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, you just suppose that with guys who missed the cut. Justin Thomas. Yeah. Right? But that – I I, it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise. Right? Justin Thomas is a high ball hitter, can get loose with his swing. Um, and I don't know where DJ's gone – I have no idea. First guy to <laughs> miss two cuts in a row as the world number one. Yeah. Um, and Justin Thomas actually had a chance to take over number, world number one. If he makes the cut, there's a chance that he yeah. – I don't know what exactly he had to do, but there was a chance that he did that. The guys that are a little bit more – like I said, those two guys, you can kind of see it not as much with Dustin because he, he actually hits a really penetrating lower ball flight. Um, but – He's like gone missing the last couple of months, completely yeah. missing. Yeah. Um, I don't have any explanation for that. I, mean, I just think, I think this course just demanded a player that could work the ball both ways, and and fly it really well and manage themselves in the wind, and and those players that hit it high like Bryson or you know people that weren't the best at and on their ball striking, it just really it really got to them and fast. Yeah. And a couple of guys like Xander Shoffley and Tommy Fleetwood, those are kind of surprises. Not that they necessarily, not that they were necessarily going to, going to contend, but they're usually solid enough to make the cut. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a little, little interesting on the, on those two, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the only other thing to talk about is coming on 18, right? where Phil hits that drive over to the left and like, I don't know, the little white golf ball that's from somebody that you really like makes people do funny things. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Just when the shots hit, um, whoever the idiot was in red (laughs) and I don't know, somebody, if if you're friends with that guy, slap him. Because he's an idiot. Hopefully, you did it when you were there. Uh, that hopped on, basically, almost hopped on his back. Yeah. After which, Phil played it off pretty cool, but I would have been like, "Get that." I might have turned around and like socked him. 
Right <laughs> be like, yeah, just get off me, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because the tournament's not even over yet. Yeah, he yeah. knocked it on the green and he's got a, a two-stroke lead. But, I mean, you still got to get down there and seal the deal. And, I mean, I was sweating bullets for Phil because, and I don't know how Phil blocked it out. He must have some crazy sports psychology going on. But I was like, don't U.S. open this. Don't U.S. open this. Don't you. <laughs> Uh, but if you saw him and they even talked about it during the broadcast about how like he's usually kind of pretty chummy and stuff on the range yeah and saturday and sunday it was not it was it was all business business. but i think that's what he's been and working on and then you know even last week where he ends up the lead and then goes super south on you whatever it was right he played horrible, which kind of led you a little bit more to believe that this wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, this, you know, this tournament doing what he did. But he was talking to one of my employees and saying the same thing. I'm like, what he was doing was building up to this, right? My guess is even though he wasn't playing good, he it forced him to kind of focus every shot whether they were good or whether they're bad that was his his motivation for it and came in and you know he may have it, it's the same thing that that tiger does for his majors he'll he'll go into two three tournaments before and not hit shots that are required for that particular golf course he's getting he's hitting shots that get him ready for whatever is upcoming in in the major right so he'll hit shots into there even though it may not be the the right shot for for that course that day but i think phil was testing out a couple of things but you know i didn't i didn't watch it much the week before um to watch him to see if he kind of had that same kind of focus yeah i don't know you don't see and what stood out to me is there was about it three to five times on Sunday where Phil backed off and reset, which I don't think I've seen him do much in previous rounds. And maybe it just this one stands out because of, of the situation and or whatever it is, but I don't feel like I saw him back off like that and just get really locked back in. Uh, he was focused. He was definitely focused. He just, he went about things differently and you could see it in his demeanor and man i i'm not saying i had a feeling he was gonna win it but ever since he was sticking around the leaderboard from the first day i'm like i want this guy to do it and he just kept kept staying in the zone definitely so right yeah it, it was impressive it's i mean it was fun to watch and um like him talking about it before was was really or after was really funny he's like it's a process he's like this is what i basically worked towards yeah you know so a lot of people will say phil is phil's fake with what how he does but he's pretty honest in his answers and i read something he's like this may be my last win ever (laughs) he's like but who knows i may go on a run because of it um 
then coming out of last week, like I say, whatever he figured out worked. And it's, it's kind of a lesson that some younger guys can learn. It's like, just that's really all you need is some, some focus. I think a lot of these guys, they've got so much talent and so much there. They don't, they kind of forget the importance of just focusing on every shot. Yeah. Right. And they kind of lose their focus a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Phil in two different kind of states where his talent is propelling him to such a level that he's just having fun and he wins. I've seen him do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in this particular situation, um, yeah, it was a huge process. Like um, probably a year ago, he wasn't in the physical condition that he was today. And so he did a lot to change his physique, to get healthy, get fit, increase club head speed, get serious about his game. Probably the most serious I've seen about it at the game for a while. Oh, yeah. Because he had relied on his his pure and world-class talent to, to win things. Um, but, I mean, th- you could tell that he obviously had all the tools and he's talented, but it wasn't the talent that won this tournament. It was the focus. It was um, the management of the game. And um, he wasn't trying crazy shots. He was just hitting the right ones. Yes. He was hitting the right ones. And, and that was a story going into it. And he admitted it. He's like, I'm, I'm having a hard time focusing. Mm-hmm. So it just shows that if you can work on, you can work on focus. That is something that you can control, right? Sometimes it's harder than others. And there was times where like he had to, like said, back off, yeah, just kind of get refocused back in. Um, but it was definitely the most kind of locked in I've seen feel in a long time. And I think getting to 50, I think the last, two or three years or so he's kind of taken that for granted and was like man i just can't focus and he's like oh right so i think this shows that you can just refocus back in sometimes it takes more work than yeah than others and i think that's where he takes it for granted whereas he was easier for him to lock in Uh but now he knows it's something that he needs to work on and who knows he he could i mean obviously hitting it there and you're watching him and you're like Dude's blown up by Brooks <laughs> at 50. Um, wow. So he's so he's got that in in his back pocket. Um yep. I don't know. Maybe he'll just now and now. I mean, the secondary thought of this is he doesn't need that special exemption in the US Open. Anymore. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he's, no, got he five, doesn't. he's got five of them, actually. Yeah. Um, well, well, and and to bring conversation full circle about focus, like the debacle on 18 that was pretty incredible for him to stay focused through that and just plow through the end yeah. i mean he kind of enjoyed the moment a little bit once i think he saw where his ball was on the green and he gave a couple thumbs up but yeah it, it, yeah, it was a much different feel walking up to that green you yeah. know than, than what we'd seen in the past and having a dude jump on him and then other people slap them and in, in the shoulders or whatever, yeah. trying to get their hands on them to be that moron that says I touched Phil on the 18th. <laughs> um, it, it was pretty bad. And 
I mean, I, it, I didn't take away from the tournament. The, the telecast didn't really pull away from it, but it was enough for the PGA to actually offer an apology as to around that was handled. Right. And they didn't, they didn't handle the crowd and they did mention it, you know, they said they just found that was basically they'd lost control yeah. of it, of the crowd. And right. It took, you saw how long it took Phil to get there. And then Brooks who hit after, I mean, it's like you said, it was probably only a minute, minute and a half, but it seemed like an eternity. You're like, Where's, did he get lost? I mean, did, did, did somebody like, are they holding him back so he can't get to, to the, to the ball? I mean, he still, I mean, yes, that's right. He runs in cause he puts before Mickelson. Yeah, it does. I mean, he runs that in anything can happen. All of a sudden that, that two putt doesn't look so, so easy anymore. Right. When you got three yeah. putts to do it, it's, it's no big deal, but when you have to two putt it to win, it'd be a, a whole different. Yeah. And, and man, like that was a huge um, debacle for sure. Now don't get me wrong though. Like having the crowd around the green on that 18th was probably the most spectacular thing I saw um, this year in a golf tournament. Like I, it made- I love it. I love that, that feel. Oh, right. But if it's managed right, they're walking, they're about 10 feet behind the players walking up. Yeah. Right. And they don't yeah. let them go until both players are walking up. So then you get the, yeah. you get the s- spectacle of the ground, the green being surrounded yeah. by, by the crowd, which is awesome because it gives, gives you that feel, right? That amphitheater that you know, oh. creates that drama on the last hole. Um, it was for sense of the, and I remember- the the situation or the mo- moment um mm-hmm. so let's see if they can do it in like the u.s o- well the u.s open i don't know if they're going to have many people at the u.s open oh really do they because it's it's california oh geez so who well, knows we'll, we'll leave it at that <laughs> but um no it was a pretty special moment to have the crowd and once it was under control like wow what an awesome way to finish the tournament and uh yeah, i could be happier for phil nicholson and, and what he's done so incredible accomplishment yeah awesome stuff awesome awesome stuff um whew, man we could go on like i said i'm just, just watching that and it's like I said this year has been really weird because you've got you know, Stuart Sinkman, and you've got these old guys competing. Steve Stricker's competed on a couple, yeah. couple times. You've got old guys, you know, Padraig Harrington playing what he did. Um, and one guy that, right, this tournament, it, Ricky all of a sudden comes out of nowhere for it. I mean, he, <laughs> bo- he does bogey 18, which, I mean, he gets a top five. Yeah. He doesn't bogey 18. But where did that come from? Like, where did that come from? Is this just a kind of, a thing where he's like, okay, I've got to make the most of it. But I don't, the thing about it is, is does that top 10 get him exempt in next year's PGA? I, I don't know the rules on it, but I'd have to look at definitely, that. Definitely provides some status and he won a crap load of money. And I bet he got a ton of confidence back. And that's probably what he needed the most is just confidence. 
hopefully, right? Hopefully. But I mean, with this as hard as it was playing, right? And I think the big thing for that for him is that I think he put it pretty well from everything that I saw. He managed his game well. There just wasn't a lot of blow-ups, really. I mean, there was bogeys and birdies, right? But um, he didn't have one double through the whole tournament, which is saying a lot. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry, he did. He did double number one on round two. But So that was the one major mess-up that he had. Right. And it's, like I said, I... Like I said, and I, I don't, I didn't feel that he deserved it. He proved me wrong, um, and a lot of people wrong. My guess is you could have made a little bit of money um, on him. <laughs> yeah, uh, making the cut. I think I saw a thing. Speaking of that, I think I saw somebody bet a hundred bucks on Phil to win and won like twenty five grand. Oh, hey, when you're, uh, hot, you're hot. No, that's it's, it's pretty. I mean, that one's neither here nor there, but it just tells you the the magnitude of what he did. Right? Yeah. You don't you don't pick twenty five one odds or 2500 <laughs> to one odds exactly. or whatever it was two two fifty two hundred to one two fifty to one odds is probably what it would well, have been and, at that point and i mean i mean look at look at phil's track record this year i mean he was struggling to make cuts in in regular pga tour events and going into it like there's no way i ever would have considered phil to be the champion um I wouldn't change the result for anything in the world, but no. man, like I, there was a point this year where I was like, okay, Phil, like just go play on the champions tour. Like <laughs> you're not doing what you normally do. And you know, boy, was I wrong. And I love to be proved wrong. So um, especially in this circumstance, but um, you know, it goes to show that, you know, maybe what I saw was just that lack of focus from him you know, not doing what he used to do. And, and now he's, you know, cracked the code and this is a whole different fill. So. And whether he's cracked the code or not, or whether it was, like I said, and then I hope it's not um, just because he's entertaining to watch no matter what. Uh, But who knows? I mean, who knows whether it's just like, can he sustain that type of, because I guarantee he he had a good good night's sleep. Um, oh, totally, totally. After well, that, so yeah, it's it's awesome. And and here's a cool thing, you know, the best player on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour. <laughs> can you? I mean, can you imagine if somehow like he plays both? Right, he could if he put this kind of focus and whether he ever will into <laughs> a champion's door event, oh. um, cause it, it really doesn't mean as, as much as uh, yeah. it does to a lot of other guys. Um, 
No, he's he's phenomenal, and I mean just the the accomplishment. Jack was the last person or the oldest person to win a major until this week, and so he nah, was Julio Sparos. Julio Sparos won a major at, at an older age than Jack. Yeah, the 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 PGA. He was forty eight years and oh, he, something. Yeah, really. And I, the, Jack was actually the third oldest. Oh, for a major championship. For a major yeah. championship, yeah. It was, they put it on there. It was Julius Burroughs was the oldest. And then old Tom Morris was next. And then it was Jack until, until this week. Yeah, you're right. 53 years old. He was 48 when he won the 68 PGA Championship. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's crazy, 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 now, crazy. Now it's Phil's record. So, yeah, whether yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, is the talent of the players out there now. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Okay, cross their fingers on this one. He can beat his own record in, <laughs> in about a month. He could. He really and, could. And career in career grand slam, and right? get that huge ginormous monkey oh yeah and six runner-ups off his back that would be amazing and it is his hometown it is hometown he played that course ready and i mean if you aren't rooting for phil at the u.s open then you are not human you are something else no there's there's people that hate (laughs) phil that would dare say that they yeah they hate phil like I said, there's some guys who just think he's fake, but the story would be amazing. Uh, I think he's got to think he's got to attack it the exact same way he did this. Because you, the one thing is, is the rough's going to be. It's the USGA. They'll probably get the greens out of control. the 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 rough will be up, but so he'll. I think he'll need to even be more controlled than if he can keep it controlled in that environment. Like I said, he's hitting it good enough. I think you know, and we'll talk about it later, but is the two that he has in there, I think would be a great weapon at Tory, just the same. So, yeah. And, and, you know, why don't we dive into that? Because he really did craft his bag to win this tournament. Um, so pretty cool uh, what he did to do that. And he, he basically built a driver that only uh, missed to the left for him, which is like a fade. So he had a fade club and then he had the two wood, which was his draw club that he would, that he could only miss to the right. And so it was kind of like each club would miss one side of the golf course. And he was pretty much accurate with both, but to have that strategy come into it, that that's why he had that two wood in play. It's like, well, why play another driver? Um, And it was just a left driver and a right driver. And he could trust that they were going to do that. Uh, and the golf WRX is has it at 11 and a half degree. They were talking that it was a 10 and a half degree on the telecast. And they did say his driver was a six degree, which is basically he took a, a long drive driver, <laughs> but yeah. um, no, exactly. he, and that was a new driver for him, but they, they really built it up pretty interesting. This is kind of one of the highlights um, built at 47.9 inches. So yeah. Uh, and I think the max on the PJ tour is 48, 48. Um, yeah. 
though it's right up to the edge. And he had a six degree head, but it was de-lofted to 5.5 degrees. Which, yeah, which then again turns it to that yeah. cut a little the bit cut. more. You turn it down. And then on top of that, they really had to get um, crafty with it. And typically in a driver like that, you'll have a lightweight and a heavyweight. So you can swap them front to back. Typically like a 12 gram or 16 gram weight in the front or back and then a two or three gram weight. So in his driver, um, he has a triple diamond head, which has like a sub zero weight in the front of the sole and then in right. the back. And those were a two gram and a three gram weight. So they had to bring the weight of the driver head lighter right. up to, um, down to 180 grams when drivers typically hover in that 195 to 199 range now. So that was a considerably lighter head, but you needed that because you were playing an almost 48 inch driver. So um, it just was a, a balance point and incredibly low lofted. So, he, you know, swinging a driver that long and having the arc that he did and the angle of attack he had on the ball, which is probably around five or six degrees, given that build, he needed a driver that was incredibly low lofted to give right. him what he wanted. So, yeah, crazy setup worked for him. Yeah. Uh, whether we'll see in that setup, like I said, it still plays um, at Tory because it can get windy at Tory. He does have to have a little bit more control at Tory than he did at, at Kiowa because you can miss and get away with it. Where at Tory, because they're just gonna, it's just the it's gonna be lettuce. It's gonna be a hay field. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and so we'll we'll see what they do there. Yeah. But I'm sure he'll craft his bag for Tory and um, and do that, but. Some of the things that aren't going to change in the bag are the irons. So he's playing the Apex MB blades, which are pretty pure. They're the ones that have that tungsten weight, just screw right in the center back of the muscle. Um, but the, what makes those special for him is he has a tighter groove pattern on the irons. And um, there are a lot of tour players that actually prefer that because it does spin more. So they're looking for an yeah. iron spins it more and they put more grooves on the face to accomplish that so um that's pretty cool and then um yeah i mean probably the lowest tech thing in the bag was the putter um yeah easily could have been made in 1928 but uh was an odyssey pure blade um kind of wilson 8802 ish um, yeah yeah so. just classic fill but uh yeah incredibly <laughs> I don't know what I don't know why he ever goes away from it. He puts the best with that putter. <laughs> he does. Always. He um, does. But I think it was somebody that was I can't remember who it was, but a guy in tour was basically like, he he's out there beating us with what is the equivalent of a persimmon driver <laughs> on the putting green. On the putting green, I can't remember who said it. Yeah, pretty, pretty correct, right? But yep. a putter, I think a putter at any point you don't really need i mean it helps some people obviously having some tech in there and some balance to the to the head but a stroke is a stroke right that's you can get away with just about as low tech as as you want if your stroke yeah will we'll handle it um, and i think 
I think considering his stroke, I if I saw correctly, he didn't putt the claw. He went regular. For the most part. He did on base and they I can't remember what hole it was, but I think it may have been on he had a par putt and he switched to it from one putt in the entire thing. He switched oh. to the claw and it was like on fifteen. One of the putts that he had like he had like two and a half feet for par. Yeah. And he switched to the, and it was just the one hole. And they were like, what just, what just happened there? Um, so yeah, but for the most part, he was, he was back to his standard, um, grip, uh, but awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, just, yeah, I can't get over it. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) And yes, I am rooting for Phil. I'm, I am human. Weston, just so you know, I am rooting for Phil at Tory to complete the, his career Grand Slam, break his own um, age record uh, for winning a major championship. That would be amazing. Uh, he does have a little bit more riding on this one going into it now, um, but. If he comes with the same attitude, I think he can, he can compete for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, I mean, he doesn't need anything else out of golf. I mean, let's be real. 45 wins, six majors. That is clearly a hall of fame, greatest golf golf for one of the greatest golfers territory. Right. And so I think he's already been inducted. <laughs> he's already been inducted. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, if, if I was in his shoes, everything that I'd be doing is just prepping for majors at this point, because clearly he has what it takes to win. Yeah. And so um, for him, it's like, yeah, play the other tournaments, have fun, but just use those as your practice ground. Because yeah. guess what? When it's when it's go time at Tory, turn on that light and just zone out. Yeah, for for sure. Um, in the dumb side of the PGA. Um, We have just, we have spoke of this before former PGA champ disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this before on, on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know it, if you can see it, but I'm rolling my eyes. Right yes, now. you're brooksing. You're brooksing right now. Um, I'm kind of torn on this because, yes, there's a ton of things, but at the same time, it is your responsibility to make sure the scorecard's right, which is an easy thing um, for the most part, right? I've been, I've done it myself, but mine was just in, and I don't know where he was, whether, whether he would have made the cut. I haven't looked into it that far. I just saw that he was DQ for signing an Instagram scorecard. And I promptly sent you the thing and said, I know your feelings on this. Um, but yes, it's, it's dumb in this day and age where you're basically tracking everything electronically. Um, yeah. I, I, my, my point is this, you can't have it both ways, right? And what I mean by that is you can't have HD cameras pointing on some guy in a bunker who's trying to hit a sand shot and he knocks over a grain of sand and he gets called on a penalty. Yes. Okay? 
you can't have it both ways. So if you're going to start monitoring rules by TV, then the score by Should default mon is monitored by TV. But if you're going to let us play by honor and call shots on ourselves and not let the telecast dictate rules breaking, then yes, put the scorecard rule in play. But to have this, this double garbage going on, like, no. Like this is this is not how we do it. So pick one and stick with it. Well, and they're not supposed to. The thing about it is, is they're not supposed to go to the video like that, which was the dumb thing about the Abraham answer deal at the Masters, right? They're not supposed to, and that's it's a clear right, unless they can clearly do it and they can go back and show them, hey, you you did this, right? Yeah. But like I watched the Abraham answer thing in the masters. I watched it multiple times and I'm like, did he actually move sand? Yeah. So then for them to have, it's supposed to be a naked eye deal, yeah. which obviously his wasn't. And they've done it a couple of times. Um, they did it with John Rom mm -hmm. in the one tournament that he did. He ended up winning, but when he chips it in and you know, it's this, big moment and all of a sudden it's you know the ball and i'm like you've got to slow it down which is the dumbest thing ever because <laughs> right? if it's not noticeable by the naked eye then then yeah. what are you doing so somebody's actually in the tv room like slowing down that and go oh it may have done this well if it's not visible to your naked eye mm -hmm. i don't know well the and, and I mean, let's take other sports, for example, where you start using uh, a telecast to actually determine things in any situation, for the most part, you know, basketball and baseball, where they've started to utilize it, and even football, it's, it's to reinforce the correct call, right? Or overturn it. Yes. Now, um, in golf, it's not. It's not at all. There's no benefit to adding it. It's not like having a, a camera at first base to see if the tie goes to runner, right? This is just straight up, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look so, what we did. Yeah, so like make it be part of the experience because that's what it was. I mean, yeah, 80 years ago when there wasn't a camera on every hole focusing the, and catching every shot, like, yeah, you got to freaking keep your scorecard and your buddy's got to keep it so you don't cheat. And that's the whole point of another guy keeping your scorecard so things stay honest. And so, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, in this point where you can have every shot from every player in the tournament on telecast and it's not being used as a digital scorecard, it's just, it's pointless to me. Right. And yeah, because there's somebody, they have scores tracking every single shot. Well, <laughs> They've got a they've got a, a a scorer that's walking on the hole. He's like yes. I can't remember what his official title is, but he's got it's, all it's the scorer. The scorer. <laughs> and then you've got guys on radios radioing back to the to the tent. Hey, you know why Yang got a a bogey here, and they're they're confirming it. And then we've got all of that data on TV with the digital scorecard popping up as we're seeing them walk to the next tee box. Oh, he's four under now or three over. And like all that's going on and then he gets up and nobody's there to help him like, oh, hey, guess what? 
we compared your scorecard to the digital scorecard because we've been tracking your score and this is actually wrong. Do you want to correct it before you sign? Yes. <laughs> but yep. they're not even going to offer him that. They're not even going to give him that opportunity to look at how they've kept score for him. And they're just going to be like, let's see if he fixes it. I don't think he's going to fix it. Oh, he didn't fix it. We got him. Okay. Put it that way. You're making the PGA Tour sound. Just like nefarious villains just sitting there maniacally watching people. Obviously they're not, but it's like, uh, guys, you have everything in front of you. Why not make this a such a such more simpler process, right? Yeah. Instead, it's like, oh, we had another player DQ'd because he signed a scorecard wrong. He shot 83 today and just maybe missed a number. And it's like, obviously, he had a bad day. And, yeah. and there's no way we can help him out. Yeah, so dumb. Um, and this actually happened last week. We need to know to hear. Sergio signed back with Taylor made Oh yeah. Um, after his stint with 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 Callaway, so I don't know. Interesting move, um, but they kind of put that out there. I think it was going into the the last tournament. I think they said that he hit switch back, or maybe it was just going into this week. Um, yeah. Pretty excited. Like I said, he's, but I don't know that it's. It's a big move. I don't know that Sergio's a needle mover anymore um, on that. Uh, but on a fun note to end it, uh, Brooks, being Brooks, uh, talking a little little smack with uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the exact, like, transaction but it was something like brooks is like i'd beat you left-handed or whatever yeah, and it was Port- if, if you guys if you guys know anything about dave portnoy he's like you're on <laughs> he's like i'm taking that bet oh, um, for charity and i've and if you know barstool sports it can be a little a little little heavy a little uh, raunchy if you want to say it but yeah. i actually listened to um in an interview he did with with ben shapiro who's super conservative but listening to him in that interview and doing some just following him a little bit around social media yeah he's kind of on the rough side of mannerisms but dude is like legit says it kind of how it is obviously a super smart guy and super smart businessman um with what he's done and does a lot of really good things considering he like was started that whole thing where he raised money for small businesses, like tons, Mm -hmm. saved tons and tons of businesses that were just getting obliterated. Right. Um, Does a lot of good things, you know, says some dumb stuff, but uh, overall, like, stuff I've kind of started following him way more over this last year gained a lot of respect for the the guy as a as a person and well, that, he's pretty honest about what he what he is and what he does so kind of just shows the the intelligence to him right yes. is he is an entertainer he's a oh, social yeah. media influencer which means he is there to entertain and he knows all the buttons to push all the mannerisms to to use and all the things to do 
to make entertainment. And um, yeah, you get him in a different scenario and, and you, you can see that there's a lot more cogs turning than it looked like. And uh, I could say, you know, that's probably the case for a lot of things that were a lot of people in the spotlight that we see. So. Yeah, for sure. But that'd be cool. I don't know if they've finalized any, they finalized anything yet. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. You've got a PGA Tour player, very prominent um, from a, at least a social media index, at least the top five, if not higher. And, and then we've got um, this social media outlet with, with Barstool. I mean, this thing should be televised. I mean, come I'm, on. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. Like I said, we yeah. talked about, I mean, this is the second week in a row that we've talked about, about Barstool in golf with uh, yep. Riggs doing the the tournament which actually was held this last week um i didn't obviously you got lefty winning the the championship so it got a little bit overshadowed but doing some things there um but you'll see it now every once in a while on their brooks like practicing left-handed which note to those people out there playing it's actually not bad to hit balls left-handed every once in a while it balances you out a little bit as far as your body composition is, right? These guys swing so much right-handed. My guess is a lot of them do swing quite a bit left-handed just to keep that that balance and that so you're not always straining the same side of your body every time. Um, but, yeah, it's – like I said, I don't think they've finalized anything yet, um, but it would be – it's, it's going to be fun to – to watch is it's it's going to be televised somewhere it'll be it'll be televised somewhere um but i know at the same time too like i know there's some some edge to brooks that some people doesn't mesh well with but i mean imagine this here's a guy who really doesn't need to do this and he puts himself out on a limb to go do something and by the way he's a phenomenal left-hand hitter um there was like a tailor-made challenge about oh who can hit it the farthest with like you know going opposite and brooks yeah. was like he swung as fast as i do righty and it was like one low 170s or mid 170 ball speeds carrying it 300 left-handed like yeah. it was ridiculous so um yeah he i mean he's got game lefty for sure if he's if he's pumping it in the 170 ball speeds yeah it was pretty but, um, but that, like, like I said, watching it, so he doesn't need to do this, and here he is doing it. So there is a rough side to Brooks, but at the same time, I this is kind of a soft side. Like, hey, let's donate money to charity and and have some fun. Like I said, talked about it, and I think Brooks is who he is. Like I said, sometimes that's rough, um, but I think it's honest to who he is um, for the most part. Um, you know, I don't say think for the most part, but I think it's honest to who he is. Yeah. Right. I think he's pretty blatant. Um, and I think during this little stretch, I think you saw a little bit of his vulnerability when he was down. Cause I think yeah. he was like struggling with some, some things that way. Um, but I still think he's great for the game of golf <laughs> at an entertainment level when he is healthy and playing golf. Right. It's good to have a little bit of that up at the top, I think. Um, 
you know, some people might think I'm wrong. I don't care because I think it's he's interesting to watch when when he's when he's at the top. Even sometimes when he's not at the top, because um, he's still got that great. He's got that sharp kind of snap that he he'll give to guys no matter what. Yeah. So, oh, it's fun. It's Good fun. Stuff. Um, can't wait for another month to pass <laughs> month ish, maybe even less than oh. a month. And then this was also newsworthy. I did see a recent picture of tiger. Yes. So he's, he's out of a cast or air cast. He seemed to have some kind of like compression, um, compression sleeve on his leg. So, um, I think he's still in crutches though, but, um, he's making a recovery yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it is and how this drives him because you know that uh tiger definitely performs better mm-hmm. when he's got that little bit of i've got something to prove yeah he's got something that he can chase for oh, sure that i think is a little bit more kind of there than the right i think he still wants the major oh yeah lead yep but now it's, he's good yeah. got the thing that helps, helps both of that right gets oh, yeah. another major win and well that means he's got to win because how old is he now He's 45. Yeah. So he, he's got, he's got something to stew on for about six years. <laughs> like at this point, like, I mean, Phil got in a physical peak condition and he got focused. We know Tiger has got focus. Like there's no question there. It's like him getting back healthy. He's got four years. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, I think Tiger can do it. I don't, I don't think I'm going on a limb either. <laughs> I don't think you're it. It will, like I said, a lot of it will depend on, on his health and yes, he can focus, but will he have the drive? Will his, will his health? Cause I mean, if you think about it, yeah, Phil was hefty, but he has never gone through no. the, the, the body hasn't taken the physical beating that the Tigers has. Yeah. Um, so there is that to look at as well so you know it's definitely i think piqued his his interest definitely and i'll never say never with tiger just because i've been proved wrong <laughs> before um doubting that yeah either way i tiger i don't i've decided i don't bet for or against tiger anymore just because either way that it seems to come down, I seem to come down on the wrong side of it. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, good week of golf. That was pretty spectacular. Yes, sir. Um, but other than that, you playing any more golf this week? I still got maybe, maybe I can chip this week. I'm hoping to get into the doctor end of this week first of next week to to give me the go ahead um well, to swing <laughs> i i will i'll be playing golf 
and then I'll be playing enough golf to make up for you not playing any golf. And then so oh, is this is this this is this your week? This is my week. This is Bandon week, baby. So yep, I'm flying out uh, Wednesday night and I'll be golfing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. A minimum, minimum of 36 a day. And one of those days. I'll be playing their preserve course, which I think is like 13 holes 13, or something. Yeah, 13 par threes. And um, so 36 plus 13, you know, 49 holes that day. So that'll yeah. be pretty epic. That'll be that'll be pretty good. Um, the guys that I always go with, they don't like to play the preserve, which so I've missed out on that. Um, but the first, like I say, the first year that I went, it was in September. We played 36 and then another 16 so we played 52 49 and then 36 oh. all of the big big course oh yeah no i've i've been prepping for it too like um every day i've i've been hitting the treadmill i'll just put it at like a four or three or four degree incline and then i will put it at like a speed of four where i'm just i'm huffing it walking up a hill i'll, I'll, I'll walk a couple miles that way and then i'll finish off running a mile just to make nice. sure I've got the endurance to get through 36. So I know it's going to take. You needed to put a few fans in your face to <laughs> make it realistic. Man, I need uh, to be that guy in the gym with the golf bag and on yes. the treadmill. <laughs> getting that, uh, but you'll enjoy it no matter what. Um, you'll have to take your notes, and we'll compare notes next week uh, yeah. to see you know, kind of where you thought were the, were the best, what was the best courses, what was the best holes, what was kind of the best thing about it. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely do that. But yeah, I think we'll end on that note. Listeners, thanks for listening. Go play some golf for me because I can't. Uh, and well wishes, Weston. <laughs> Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Buttercuts Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating, review, and subscribe. We appreciate it. Until next time, keep hitting the buttercuts.